pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Melder scores. Melder scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a rugby league podcast. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. This is part two of our pre-season analysis, where we discuss the chances of teams 7-11 to 11 from last year, which are, of course, the Knights, Sharks, Titans, Warriors, and the West Tigers. To help me with this task, I'm joined, as always, by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. So let's get into it. Thank you for joining us on what is a warmish Monday evening. I'm to be honest guys, I'm sat here in my bo- my Batman boxer shorts because I just spent all day walking around with Kieran's brother Owen. Uh, he had me walking up and down the streets of Brisbane. We walked about five kilometers uh, and I am absolutely cooked here on a Monday. So I'm very glad to be talking with both of you guys about rugby league. Uh, a big shout out, of course, to Owen, who I'm sure will be listening because his brother will make him, won't you, Kieran? Uh, if he's not out walking, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, guys, let's just jump straight into the news of the week. Uh, first up, uh, some of our predictions might be a little bit inaccurate from the last episode because um, I had Manly fi- finishing a little bit lower, but uh, you guys had them pressing for the eight. And I'd be curious to see what you guys think about Tom Travojevic's latest injury. There was uh, some footage of him racing up and down uh, a strip of nightlife uh, against a punter, but he claims that his hamstring injury, which is not his usual hamstring, by the way, it's the other leg, uh, was caused uh, during an incident in a bathroom. Miles, you've got your ears close to the ground in, in Manly Town or that part of the world. What do you make of all this? Is is Tommy Trevojevic taking the piss a little bit here, or is he completely within his rights to do what he wants? No, he was irresponsible for sure. You know, who knows whether or not that was the incident that tweaked his hand, tweaked his hamstring rather, or, or not. But look, I think when you have a track record such as Tom Trevojevic's, you, you get a mulligan on stuff like this. Um, I think it's just about the, the first sort of uh, spot of bother that he's he's worked himself into at the club. Um, and so I'm confident it won't be in trade. And I, look, I just feel awful for the guy, really. So, Does it dent their finals aspirations? Because there is some chat, Kieran, that... Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a yes from Miles. Um, and Kieran, do you think... Because, I mean, he stands to face, you know, probably about a month on the sideline, potentially. And they're without a fullback uh, for that period of time. There's no Brendan Elliott, of course, now. So... Uh, Kieran, is, is, uh, does that sort of change your prediction ever so slightly, or are you confident that he'll return uh, in enough time to, to force their way towards the eight? Uh, well, you, I'm pretty sure you said that Manly will win five of their first seven games, right? Um, so that they have uh, easier competition to start the season. Is that right? <laughs> no, I, 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 I sort of just went off on... <laughs> <laughs> on a bit of a limb there. And I'm changing that prediction, by the way, because without Tom Travojevic, I, I can't see them winning a whole bunch of games, as has been their want in the last five seasons. Um, but like, what what do you think? Do you think that he was perhaps a bit irresponsible as well, or are you more forgiving than our friend, Mr. Stedman? 
Uh, to, to be honest, to begin with, I was a bit more forgiving, but then I just had to look at it as if it were, uh, say, Tamalolo or drink water or someone. Um, I definitely would be quite disappointed. And I, I think someone, he's getting on, not getting on, but like he's a bit more of a mature player now. So I think he, yeah, he should have realized it wasn't the right thing to do. It also wasn't great for his ego because he got smoked. Like old mate, old mate had a bit of toe. Uh, there, there was a Batuta Advocate article saying that the Tigers threw 800k at him. Um, but <laughs> let's jump to our next uh, piece of news, which was that there is a bit of tension between Adam Reynolds and his one and only club, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Now, Adam Reynolds uh, has been a, a good servant of the Rabbitohs for his entire career, which has been the best part of a decade. And, uh, and has been in some of his best form as of late, in, which included uh, a 2020 season that, Miles, you thought he probably should have been the halfback for New South Wales. So they don't want to offer him a long-term deal. Obviously, he would like a long-term deal for a bit of security and to finish his career at the one club. Uh, they're only going to offer him one year. Is that the... I might go with you first, Miles, because you are a big fan of Adam Reynolds. Oh, and you have been in the past... Is that the right call by the Rabbitohs? Like, because that's uh, that seems a little bit harsh. Well, it, it should probably surprise the audience, but I know it won't surprise you guys because we've talked about it a fair bit offline. But look, as much as I, I love Reynolds and, <laughs> and as much as I hate the Rabbitohs, they are one of the more uh, fiscally responsible clubs in the league. And uh, look, they'd know their guys inside and out. And you, I, th- I feel like if they don't feel like handing Reynolds a, a multi-year deal is responsible, then... I don't think anyone else has any reason to believe it would be either. So, look, it it almost may be that the Rabbitohs uh, don't want to have two 30-plus-year-old halves inked on on long-term deals. Obviously, they they re-signed Cody Walker, I think, last year or or the year prior to that. Um, And they might not want to hand over the the team to to Jason Dimitriou for for what may be a... a, uh, or they might actually want to hand over the team for more of a rebuild than uh, another premiership push. So, look, the market might see Reynolds differently, but I feel as if the the Rabbitohs have the inside line on this, and if, if they don't think Reynolds can last a, another multi-year deal, then I wouldn't be throwing my hat in the ring. Very interesting. Kieran, what's your take on this? Because I'm a bit of a traditionalist in the sense that I love the idea of the NRL offering loyalty benefits you know to players that have played 200 plus games for one club or, or or players indeed that have only played for the one club and they are a junior should there be some sort of dispensation for the Rabbitohs because uh it, it seems like a really tough decision like are are there that many halfbacks out there of Adam Reynolds's quality is is this the right call by the Rabbitohs in your opinion after hearing what Miles just said, I think there is. I mean, I was going to say, um, surely Souths have a player in the pipeline. Uh, is it is it Benji Marshall and Adam Reynolds going together for one-year deals for forever until they outlast uh, Buffon and Brady as the oldest players in world sport? I, I, I don't think <laughs> that's Jesus the case. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, definitely I think you could have uh, a little dispensation for clubs for players that are, are one-club men. Um, I mean, he's he's played. I have here uh, his lowest season tally is 16 games in a season. He doesn't miss much through injury. Um, and I, I don't think his vision or abilities wanes at all. But I do side with uh, Miles a lot, especially with Wayne Bennett as coach. I think if the Rabbitohs don't want to sign him on a, a multi-million dollar deal at his age, I think they know what they're doing. 
All right. And uh, Miles, you haven't labeled who your favorite team is on the pod, but can you do you think that if Adam Reynolds hit the market, I mean, that, that's a guy that considering what some other people have earned in their careers, including guys like, say, Ben Hunt, this is the guy that could command a million a season for a few years. Do you think clubs would be lining up the door? I mean, you said that you might not if the Rabbitohs aren't, but surely there would be some clubs that would take a bite. Of course there would be. There's There's got to be one or two clubs out there. Uh, I don't want to say foolhardy enough, but brave enough to, to back Reynolds in to last, say, two or three seasons and, and not decline too um, poorly or, or pull up lame in any of those seasons. And you know what? I, I, I don't like backing against injury, so even if he does get himself a multi-year deal, I'd say he'll pull through it and he'll probably play well. But on the balance of things and, and just given how um, his own club has sort of, you know, tipped their hand to, you know, we, we don't think this guy really has it for, for three or so years, I wouldn't. But out there, I'm sure there's a, a team or two that's uh, that would be keen to, to hand him a deal. I've got a two-part question for you on this one, Kieran. Uh, you're a Cowboys fan and you've stated as such, so have I. Would you be happy if the Cowboys threw their hat in the ring for <laughs> the uh, the Adam Reynolds halfback? And if it wasn't the Cowboys, do you think that the Tigers would once again have a play for an ageing Reynolds? I, I kind of think the Tigers would, um, just given Madge is there. Uh, they've obviously played together. They were part of a, a premiership-winning team. Uh, at the Cowboys... Uh, I definitely thought at first I would really like Reynolds, and I still kind of think I would, but I, I, I'm kind of getting on the fence a bit about it. Uh, I'm not too sure, uh, given everything that Miles has said, just his age, will he produce the form you want, and will it be enough for a, a premiership push? Like, if, if we're not going to win a premiership under him, are we are we better not better off signing a, a younger half who can develop and and, and turn into turn us into a or turn us into a, a premiership uh, leading side, uh, but I think if the Rabbitohs do part ways with Adam Reynolds, I would actually go after Connor Tracy. If you were Although the Rabbitohs, I think he's five eight. Yeah, yeah. Rabbitohs junior too. Yeah, you're quite right. I th- he certainly has played there um, in the past, so that's that's a good take. I want to hear some more takes from you guys. Perhaps takeaways from the NRL trials, which just happened on the weekend. Now, obviously, the trials are, you know, not to be taken super seriously. There, there have been some people that have got quite serious miles, including some some Tigers fans uh, on the <laughs> internet and at the ground, as it were, who were uh, giving a standing ovation to their team that were pumping a second-rate manly side. What do you make of that? Well, you know what? I don't think there's probably been a, a standing ovation for any team in sports in the past 18 months. So I, I rate that. I, I, I like the Tigers fans getting around their team. Good on them. But in terms of um, major takeaways from the weekend, uh, I probably got to watch the... And obviously everyone's different on the, the preseason games. Some people don't watch them at all. Some people watch every minute of them. Personally, I, I saw, uh, I'd say, most of the charity shield. Latrell Mitchell looked like a, a real difference maker at the fullback position and by a real difference maker, I mean, I think he could potentially feature there for New South Wales. Who knows? He he looked really good. I think he scored uh, one try and set up two others, or, or maybe I'm getting that the wrong, wrong way around. But he, he looked like like he'd markedly improved from last season. And, and even last season, he, he looked like he was uh, not only improving from game to game, but improving in the game as well. So if Mitchell can hit that sort of stride, 
during the season. I think the Rabbitohs are going to be maybe even the red-hot favourites to win the Premiership. They're certainly being talked about, and I look forward to talking about the Rabbitohs in our pre-season episode part three, which is our next episode. I agree with you. I, I, I think Mitchell has been super impressive, and I mentioned that he had that really clutch finish to the, the All-Stars game as well. So he he is really, really gearing up nicely. Kieran, what what did you notice from the from the NRL trials? Anything that you can take away there in terms of a form guide or, or any players that impressed you? Uh, I thought Tino's try was brilliant for the Titans. Um, I think he'll, well, I won't say just yet, actually, because it's part of my bold prediction, but I thought he played really, really well. Um, I watched the Charity Shield as well, and I have to agree with uh, on the trail. He's just brilliant. I think he could play fullback for New South Wales as well. We'll have to see if Tedesco gets injured or what, but he was stunning. And I know the Dragons' defense kind of folded, but it was early on that the the Rabbitohs blitzed the Dragons. Both teams were fresh, so you have to say it, it, it took some brilliance. Like that pass for Cody Walker where he was falling over and he flicked it around the corner, that was just awesome to watch. Uh, I'd have Rabbitohs as favorites. Wow, we are giving away a few oh. secrets early, aren't we? <laughs> Uh, I will just say this though uh, you look at I feel sorry for New South Wales sometimes like I find that sometimes New South Wales just drowns in the infinite when it comes to the amount of choices they have James Tedesco is obviously going to be the fullback for the Blues it would take something pretty remarkable or as you say an injury for him to be replaced but you know you've got Latrell Mitchell you've got Tom Dravojevic you've got Ryan Pappenhausen uh, and you know on the outskirts of that you've got guys like Clint Gutherson who you know are pretty honest full- fullbacks as well that's that's a an absolute riches it, it, and it stands to me that you know in that scenario Mitchell and uh, Trevojevic probably play out of position for Origin and Pappenhausen misses out completely like that's just insane Queensland would you know play Pappenhausen in the front row if it meant getting him in the 13 uh, but I do I do feel sorry for the Blues sometimes. My big takeaway is uh, that I was actually fairly impressed with the Tigers and I look forward to talking about them next uh, in our preseason analysis. Um, I was happy that the Cowboys got up. I was very disappointed in the quality of that game, though. It was, it was diabolical parts of it, to be honest. The Broncos not looking good. I think both, all three of us actually predicted that either the Dragons or the Broncos would get the wooden spoon. And as we say, trial form isn't everything, but uh, it looks pretty good after that weekend. But let's let's jump into uh, the talking about the preseason analysis. We'll start with the 11th placed Tigers. Okay, so the Tigers have had a number of ins come into their side, including uh, William Kai, Dane Laurie, who's come from the Panthers on an expedited release, and he played fullback on the weekend and looked very, very sharp, scoring two tries. Joe offerhan Gaway, who will probably play in the front row, with James Tamo, who is also a recruit, a recruit from the runners-up Panthers, and uh, he will captain the side this season. James Roberts, Tuki Mejia Simpkins, who got released from the Cowboys, Kelma Tuolangi and Stefano Utuikamanu. I'm sorry, Stefano, if I've <laughs> stuffed your name up there. There's a number of good ins there, though, for the Tigers. They've got a few losses as well, including Josh Alloway, uh, Kane Bradley, Oliver Clark, Matthew Eisenhuth, Harry Grant, who was already contracted to the Storm, but he sort of counts as an out. Robert Jennings, Chris Lawrence, who retired, Benji Marshall, who maybe should have, but we'll see how that pans out. 
uh, Sam McIntyre, who went to the Titans, Paul Momorowski, Josh Reynolds, Dylan Smith, and Elijah Taylor. So while they have brought in a, a bunch of decent recruits, they have also been cleaning house a fair bit, as, as Michael Maguire is wont to do from time to time. Miles, I would like to know what you see as uh, any positives for the season ahead for the Tigers. Well, as I, as I teased uh, off off air the the roster is stronger than it was last year as you said uh james roberts james tarmow um joe offahangawi as you said all good signings and the team seems to have stopped handing out massive contracts which must be a relief for tigers fans because they're about zero for ten at this stage (laughs) and kieran what are what are some positives for the season ahead miles mentioned the the roster are you feeling the same or is there something else you see there I agree with the roster, but I also see, uh, I believe, Madge hard in the playing group last season with some spirited efforts to hang in there. Twice with the Rabbitohs, um, they re- those two games really stood out. I thought that they were uh, doing gone in both games at various stages, and they managed to hang in and almost... Uh, they did lose both games, but they I thought they uh, gave a really good account of themselves. Um, uh, and largely lost to uh, some brain snaps from Josh Reynolds twice. Um, and then there was their come-from-behind victory against Manly. Uh, but this really bodes well for the up- upcoming season with a, a never-say-die attitude that I think will only be strengthened a season later. The way I see it, I actually really like Dane Laurie. Uh, I think he's a positive. And I actually wrote this before the trial game, and he scored two tries and only strengthened my view on this. I, I think he's... A live one. I think. I think the Tigers need to get him in there straight away. Put him at fullback. Just see how it goes. The Tigers don't have a lot to lose, and by doing that, it frees up a guy like Moses and Bai to play center, which he's far more comfortable at, and Adam Dewey to play five eighth, where he looked really, really good on the weekend, partnered with Luke Brooks. So, look, if he is a live one, if he is a genuine NRL talent this early, uh, he could be anything this season, and it could set them a light on their path towards the finals for the first time in a long time. But what barriers are there to that, Kieran? What can you see stopping the Tigers making the finals if they don't? I, I still have ill discipline and, and player brain snaps then. They still they got rid of Josh Reynolds, so you would think their discipline could improve tenfold now, but obviously Russell Packer is still there. Uh, who's the other one? Um one of the brothers, I can't think of his name for whatever reason. Oh, oh Joey Lewis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I see. I mean, I would, I would think, obviously, Madge is the the great disciplinarian. So maybe their their discipline will be much better. Um, but yeah, leadership is probably lacking a little bit as well. I know they just got James Tamo. Hopefully, that helps it. Uh, somewhat, but I think discipline and leadership is something that the, the Tigers are really missing or, or have been missing. Hopefully that improves the season, but I can still see it as a barrier. Yeah, Miles, hard to argue with that. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I too wrote this before the trial, which was uh, probably foolish, but uh, what I was going to say was that they still have absolutely no clue about, uh, re- really about a single position in their spine. Yes, Dane Laurie may have somewhat answered that uh, in the trial, but who knows? That's not regular season form, and it's only one game, and he's he's a young kid, so I'd say we still have no clue about that. Fullback, uh, Luke mm. Brooks, probably the, the closest thing they have to a, a sure thing starter, and he's, you know, wildly inconsistent at best. Uh, Adam Dewey, Moses Zembai, they still, you know, they, they, Dewey played well on the weekend. They, they still both have no real position, though. Dewey obviously spent last season switching between fullback and 5.8 and 
Uh, I actually think he was, tend to think he's a bit better at fullback, so let's hope he, he works out at 5'8 for the Tigers. And obviously, they have no idea who the hooker is. It's it's not as big a problem as uh, I think fans may think it is, but it, it is certainly a bad problem to have that many questions over those sort of important positions. And, um, and I, I might just trail on to the end of that. I did think Jake Simpkin was, was good at hooker on the, on the weekend for the Tigers in the, uh, I think, 40, 30 odd minutes he played. Yeah, I think he was really, really positive. A bit of a bit of a spark out of there. I, I think Jacob Little will get the first crack at that. He's been sort of barring injury, um, knocking on the door for a few years. And as you say, maybe there aren't that many options there for Hooker. Um, for me, it, it's a genuine lack of superstars. That's the thing that's going to stop them from making finals. Yes, James Tamo is there, but he's their best player. And he's coming into the twilight of his career. Um, he is, he's a premiership winner. He, he led a team to a, a minor premiership last year and a hell of a one too. But um, yeah, I, if he is your best player, look, save for him, David Norfoluma might be their best player, but he's a winger. Um, and when your winger is one of your most influential player in recent seasons, it tells you a bit about who your halfback and your 5 eighth are, um, not to mention any strike centers that you might have had in the past. Um, and they have recruited into those areas in the recent couple of years, but I, I just don't see them recruiting superstars. And if they don't have the, the that superstar potential to, to win games or take games away, I just don't see them being able to match it with the best sides. Um, I could be wrong on that, and... And I, I think Michael Maguire would like to have a team that just grinds it with the best teams and, and comes close and wins those tight ones and isn't blowing them away with X Factor. But I, I do still think you need a little bit more strike than what they have as the Rabbitohs displayed very elegantly on the, on the weekend. Let's talk about bold predictions. My bold prediction is that David Norfoluma will finally earn that blue jersey for New South Wales. Uh, and I think maybe this is just the bleeding heart in me, but I I think he probably has deserved it, particularly last year, at least being in the squad, and uh, and he wasn't. I think it's really unfortunate. Uh, so I, I would like to see him get that blue jersey. Miles, what's your bold prediction for the Tigers? Uh, I'm happy to run with yours. Let's uh, let's say that David Nofaluma does earn that New South Wales jersey, and I would be most happy to see him do it. It means a lot coming from a Maroon fan and a Blues fan. Uh, Kieran, can we make it a treble, or do you have a different bold prediction? I have a different one, but I definitely hope Nofaluma plays. Uh, I felt for him after he sent out that tweet after Daniel Tupo's performance in Game 1 last season. Um, but I've got, despite Brooks rediscovering some of his better form, uh, he will be moved on for Adam Reynolds, who will reunite with Madge. Ooh. <laughs> Tigers oh, getting one back on uh, the Rabbitohs for stealing Benji Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Tigers come out in front just slightly on that one. Uh, not, not with all respect to Benji Marshall. It's just an age thing at this point. Let's talk about predicted finishes. I've got a feeling I might land in a different spot to you guys, but I'm, I'm not sh- entirely sure. To me, apart from the weekend, they look every bit of bottom four side, so I'm going to put them at 14th. I... I, I actually don't see them improving. I see them getting worse at the, in the time being. Kieran, where do you have the Tigers finishing? Considering everything I was thinking of before the pod and even what Miles said about their spine, I think maybe 11th to 14th is about right. All right. And Miles, where do you have them? Well, I'm glad you guys are backing me up here because uh, I thought I might be on an island here, but I, I, I too see things getting worse before they get better. I've got them finishing in 13th. 
Now, I uh, I have a bit of an interesting one here because the next team we've got is the uh, last year's 10th place, the New Zealand Warriors. And there is a, there's a lot of movement with the Warriors. And I'm very curious to see what you guys think about their upcoming season. In terms of their ins and outs, they've got, there's been a bit of activity uh, for the Warriors, which includes the new coach, Nathan Brown, uh, after losing, well, both Stephen Kearney and Todd Payton last year. So their ins are Ewan Aitken from the Dragons, Kane Evans from the Eels, Adam Fanua Blake from the Manly Sea Eagles, Marcelo Montoya from the Bulldogs, Ben Murdoch Mesilla from the Warrington Wolves, Sean O'Sullivan, a, a sort of a backup uh, half option from the Broncos, and Bailey Sirinan from the Rabbitohs. And a lot of those are on multi-year deals. Their outs uh, include uh, Daniel Alvaro, who was on loan, uh, Jared Beal, who retired, as did Adam Blair. Lachlan Burr has gone to the Cowboys. Uh, Fa'ama Osili has gone to the Dragons. I think he was also on loan. Blake Green has gone to the Knights. Patrick Herbert to the Titans. Jack Hetherington, who was on loan, has gone to the Bulldogs. George Jennings, also on loan, has gone back to his club. Adam Kieran has moved to the Roosters. Tane Milne to the Rabbitohs. Ignatius Parsi has moved to St. Helens. Isaiah Papali'i has gone to the Eels and Nathaniel Roach has also gone to the Eels. That's a lot to keep track of there, guys. But uh, look, ins and outs, there's a lot of them, including a new coach. Uh, what do we see as positives for the season ahead? If you could start with us, please, uh, please, Kieran. I've got the, the main, I think the one that really stood out for me was just that they showed last season that they can uh, be motivated enough to, to really challenge for the top eight and make the finals, mount a charge, uh, even if they are away from their loved ones um, and they're not based in their hometown and country. Uh, outside of that, um, I guess RTS could be playing his last season for the Warriors, so I, I think he'll produce some extremely good form. He'll also be wanting to impress the All Blacks, even if he's not playing uh, Rugby Union. I think that his form in league, if he can carry it on straight into Union, that will be a, a big help. Um, so the better he plays now, the better for Union and the better for the Warriors this season. Um, yeah, they're probably the two main positives. I think that's a pretty good call. Miles, how do you see it? Yeah, mine's pretty similar to Kieran, to be honest. Um, they, they seem to have found an identity uh, toward the end of last year. And, hell, the last time they had a, a real proper identity was, was probably 2010, 2011, when they made that grand final mm. against the Seagulls. So, yeah, who knows how much of it left with Todd Payton, uh, but but surely not all of it, at least. Um, so it, it looks like some, some locker room leaders for the, the Warriors have really stood up, and, and let's hope that carries on into this season. I actually think they've recruited quite well, and, and you've got to consider the fact that a lot of their players did not play much of last year because of their circumstances, so they'll actually be getting those guys back as well. Suddenly they have a really strong-looking forward pack uh, with the inclusion of Murdoch Masilla and uh, Adam Fanua Blake. And their back line has a bit more punch thanks to the return of Ken Mamolo, David Fusitua, uh, Roger Tulvasashek with a point to prove, Ewan Aitken's a, a good strike centre. Uh, so with a good forward pack and a very strong back line, they, they have enough ability to roll downfield and then pack points on. And here's one for you. Um, I think Ben murdoch Masila is probably... The buy of the season. That's also going to be my bold prediction, by the way. So I'll just give you a little hint. I think Ben Murdoch Masila is going to be the buy of the year. That's going to be uh, 
I don't know. I just got, I, there's a real rap on him, and, and I think if he can lay a platform for the Warriors and drive them into the top eight, which which may well be the case, yeah, he's he's the one. But what barriers do we see uh, to them potentially making the top eight? Miles, where we where do we start with that one? <laughs> well, I think we start and end with Nathan Brown. Um, <laughs> I, I, they're yeah, I just. Oh, I have so many questions. Like, why have you replaced Todd Payton with Nathan Brown? He's he, he's hated everywhere he goes. He wears thin, like within almost like within almost within the life of his contract at, at each club that he signs with. He's like, oh, Kalen Ponga was like dancing on his grave when he was fired last year with the <laughs> or the year before that with with the Knights, and you like you're trying to build a. A culture and 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 build off what this this last guy who you you probably really should have secured what what he built and you replaced him with Nathan Round man that's just like that's so disappointing I I feel so bad for Warriors fans and they have had it tough recently Warriors fans they haven't seen a lot of football live for a long time and and then they uh, they get that little uh, well slap in the face if you will uh, like Trent Barrett received all those years ago from Nathan Brown. Um, <laughs> There's <laughs> a little bit of uh, NRL history for you. Um, Look it Kieran, up, kids. Yeah, Kieran, what what do you see as uh, a barrier to success for the Warriors this year? Uh, I've kind of got uh, this contradicts exactly what I had as a positive, but it still makes sense. I think the the second season syndrome for the Warriors worries me a little. Will they be able to stay motivated for the course of the season? Obviously, they're professional athletes, uh, and uh, but as a second season looms away from home. Uh, I just don't know what, what kind of a toll that's going to take uh, unless they get Cam Smith um, to give some more inspirational talks at full time. <laughs> Cam Smith may well be available uh, just quietly. Uh, and they, they do need a hooker. That's actually part of uh, my barrier. Like, and, and it's even been worsened by the events of the weekend with Wade Egan possibly being out for six to eight weeks. And he was really the only hooker option they had available unless you count Jazz Tavanga, who is probably more of a lock nowadays and very valuable in that position. Uh, So they've got no hooker to start the season, and their half strength has me a bit dubious as well. I I think Chanel Harris-Tavita has all the potential in the world, but this is the year that he needs to fulfill at least a lot of that potential and lead his team into finals football. He served his apprenticeship, and Cody Nicarima isn't capable of running a team alone, I don't think. There are some handy players nipping at their heels in Sean O'Sullivan and Patrick Turner, so this is Harris DeVita's time. I think he's good enough. It's just a matter of whether he can make it click, and, and I think halves cohesion and and, uh, and strike power in that position is going to be a huge barrier for the Warriors. In terms of a bold prediction, as I said, uh, ben, ben murdoch Masila will be the buyer of the year. That is mine. Miles, what is yours? Well, Bo, I'm so glad that you mentioned the the halves conundrum there. Um, I reckon privately the Warriors will be super disappointed to have lost Adam Adam Kieran. But uh, my bold prediction is that Hayes Perham, who was on the bench this week uh, and who I really liked toward the end of last year, I think he'll start the the first portion of the season at five eight, and I think he'll kill it, uh, giving the Warriors a a young halves combination to, to give them hope for when Roger Tuivasa-Shek leaves at the end of the year. Which might 
actually solve their hooker problem because that would move Cody Nicarima into the to the hooking role, I would assume, where he has done some good work in the past. Uh, just on Cody Nicarima, I, I think that uh, hooker transition to there to that to the number nine spot, I think that would suit him. I think he's uh, better there. He tore the Cowboys apart on a couple of occasions in 2015. Uh, playing there but I've got Manu to um, solve the Warriors fullback conundrum with RTS leaving uh, at least halfway through the season Uh, he'll probably he'll play center I think but I think he'll join the Warriors at some stage this season so Joseph Manu to be signed by the Warriors to play fullback to play center this season sorry and then yeah fullback uh, 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 there is a little bit of talk about Joey Manu wanting some fullback cash so that's uh, and Tuvasa Shek would free up a fair bit of that so I, I like that prediction that, that's actually well on the cards so uh, and I'd like to see it happen yeah that'd be really cool um, alright predicted finishes Look, I think their lack of half strike power is likely to cost them against the best sides, but if they can galvanize similarly to last year, I've got them sneaking into the eight. So that's that's where I've got the Warriors. Uh, that might be unpopular. Kieran, what do you think? Mine's not a very bold prediction. I, I, I think they can sneak into the eighth, eighth spot, but I also think they could all finish all the way down to 14th. So I've got eighth to 14th as a predicted finish. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> As, and Miles, do you have them somewhere between first and sixteenth? <laughs> well, I have them somewhere between eighth and fourteenth. Actually, I've got them in tenth. I, I, I think that um, the they'll probably be leapfrogged by a few teams, and then probably manage to keep above a few, a few others. So, uh, I, I've got them finishing tenth. Which is what they finished last year, and and you know, considering their circumstances, is probably not a bad result, if you ask me. Thank you very much, guys. Let's uh, take a bit of a halftime break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, which is my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a '90s nostalgia podcast, and then we're going to talk some birthday chat about the big guy out of the storm, Nelson Asuka Solomon. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And it's a big happy birthday, sort of, to Nelson Asofa Solomona, who turns 25 on the 29th of February. Now, it is the 1st of March as we record. This would have been the 29th of February, but uh, unfortunately, Nelson didn't get a proper birthday this year. He turns 25, uh, and the big hulking front rower is pretty much an automatic selection for New Zealand these days, uh, and one of the most damaging forwards in the game, in my opinion. He's also a, a multiple premiership winner. Is it time around his birthday for the Storm to put him in the starting side once and for all, or do they continue with the combination of co-captain Jesse Bromwich and Queensland origin hero Christian Welch? I'm going to put, Kieran, I'm going to put you in the shoes of Craig Bellamy. 
What is your front row? Look, I, I think of the three players you've just named, um, Nelson Asafa, Salomona is the most suited to the bench role. Uh, in saying that, I've been a little, not worried, but uh, I think Jesse Bromwich's form has waned a little the last couple of seasons. So I think Welch has to start personally of the three. I would have him starting first. So if you're going to swap any of them, I think Bromwich would have to start from the bench. And then he's got he's got a bit of an offload. Um, I think he could... Uh, play play a good role off the bench, punch out more meters than what he does when he starts, possibly. So uh, maybe that could be a move, but otherwise I, I would just keep it as it is and have Bromwich uh, and Welch starting and Asafa Solomona uh, with his rampaging runs off the bench. Mr. Gibson, you are even more brutal than the famed Craig Bellamy if you're putting your co-captain on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> totally oh, accepting of it. Fair enough. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I'm a prick. Whatever. <laughs> Miles, uh, do you share that sentiment? Do you? Uh, you're now Craig Bellamy, by the way. Uh, a moniker that suits you with your magnificent rugby league brain. What are you doing oh, with Big you. Nelson, a sofa Solomona? Uh, absolutely, he has to start. I mean, like, you know, play him at lock, even if it means him starting. Yeah, I think he has to start somewhere. He's he's too good not to at this stage. He's just about the best forward. Um, and, like, I honestly, when I, when I saw him coming off the bench, I, I thought they were, like, maybe trying to hide him from other clubs to maybe dissuade them from signing him long-term or something like that. But they locked him up last year in a, a long-term extension. So go ahead, start him. Get the get your money's worth i mean yeah he's, he's so good like how could you not have him playing like 60 65 minutes a game well let me throw this one at you because their co-captains are jesse bromwich and dale finucan now that's your lock right there so you've got jesse bromwich at front row dale finucan at lock uh luckily you've got brandon smith playing hooker for a little while with harry grant unavailable so you're saying that christian welch would be on the bench yeah, I mean, I, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I mean, you, you could start, if it was me, I'd probably start Bromwich and Welch up front and um, I surface Solomona at lock. And, and I, look, I think Fanukin, even though he's the captain, he's at least, or co-captain at least, he's he's like by far the least talented of, the, of that mob. So, you know, maybe let him play in the second row or something. I, I'm not sure. He, even if he has to, let him play on the bench. Oh, actually, that's something. Nelson Asofa Solomona on an edge. Oh, exactly. <laughs> he would he kill people. It's not, like, it's not like he misses tackles that often, and he's even when he does, he's so big that when he gets knocked over, he he can pretty much reach out and grab you anyway. Well, there you have it. Uh, we are split on this one, uh, Nelson. But happy birthday, or what it would have been. You are now six and a quarter years old. <laughs> we'll be back with the rest of the show in just a moment. All right, welcome back to Above the Horizontal. Let's kick off the second half with the ninth place Titans from last year. They have had some big changes in their roster for Justin Holbrook's second year at the club. Their ins include Herman S.A.S.A. from the Knights, Tino Fa'asua Maliawi from the Storm, David Fafida from the Broncos, Sosefo Fafida as well, uh, Patrick Herbert from the Warriors, and Sam McIntyre from the Tigers on a one-year deal. Their losses are quite varied as well, though. They've lost Jai Arrow, who I think is a, a very fine 
player. Shannon Boyd retired. Bryce Cartwright, um, cool. Uh, Dal Copley has gone to the Broncos. <laughs> Keegan, Keegan Hipgrave has gone to the Eels to join his friend Bryce Cartwright. Uh, Ryan James uh, actually made a return from injury for the Raiders on the weekend. And I, I hear that he was over the moon about that. So that's really cool. Uh, albeit not at the Titans where he probably belongs. Uh, Nathan Peets was released, as was uh, British import Callum Watkins. Guys, what do we make of the Titans this year? There's a lot of hype around the club. Uh, but Miles, what do you see as as the big positives for the season ahead? Well, I'll, I'll kind of take the, the low-hanging fruit here, and that, that's obviously that they've made some fantastic signings, such as, uh, of course, Herman S.A.S.A. Let's say, <laughs> you know, uh, of course, uh, Tino uh, Fasilamoyali <laughs> have been practicing, um, and Very David Fafida, who are, they'll obviously give their forward pack uh, some real starch, which is pr- probably what the club needs. Absolutely. Kieran, do you agree? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, their forward pack after a litter of quality signings is a positive for the season ahead. And listening to who they got rid of there, uh, out of some sort of respect, I won't name names, but I guess one man's trash is another man's treasure. Um, but they, they now boast two-thirds of what could be the Maroons starting back row for years to come in David Fafita and Tino Fa'asua Maliawi, I think. Oh, um, and then you throw in you throw in uh, SASA and Sam McIntyre, and they're equipped with a forward pack that I think any team in the comp would take uh, just about. Um, and you add in the ever-improving halves combination and the emergence of some dynamic and explosive form from AJ Brimson, and I think the Titans have a squad worthy of a final spot. Couldn't agree more. So let's just jump into some barriers to that success. Kieran, what do you see as potentially stopping the Titans from rolling their way up the table? Well, I had a look at their um, starting 13, really impressed. Their bench is a bit iffy, and then looking at their depth, and I was quite worried, um, especially depth in the backs and halves. Uh, even if injuries don't hit them too badly, it's it's hard for me not to have doubts about Fogarty and Ash Taylor taking them deep into the finals. Um, and with no established hooker to aid their cause, uh, I, I think they'll make the finals. I'm just not sure how far they'll go. Uh, week one, even getting past that, uh, I think that'll be quite a struggle. That's pretty much exactly mine. I, I'm unsure whether Ash Taylor can continue to be as effective as he has been. Um, and Jamal Fogarty, will he have second-year syndrome? Or like, will clubs start to work him out? They haven't got a lot of depth in that position. Mitch Rain is a, a modest dummy half. Uh, so while, yes, they, they should make the finals, I, I can't see them challenging for top four. Miles, what are some barriers that you see? Would you agree with those? Or do you have something else there? Yeah, I won't harp on for too long because uh, I had the same as you guys. I've got no idea where the, the playmaking is going to come from, really. Um, AJ Brimson is obviously the best playmaker. He's only going to touch the ball so many times per game at fullback, and, and the halves are really weak. You know, as we've already mentioned Ash Taylor, but I'll sort of throw Jamal Fogarty into the, the mix there too. Bo, you said teams may work him out soon. I think they worked him out a long time ago. He's not that good. Oh, see, he's a Queenslander, so I can't go too hard on him, Miles. I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, I'll let you go for gold. Uh, let's go for bold prediction. Speaking of Queenslanders, I'm going in pretty hard here, um, and I, I hope I'm wrong, I think, but 
I think AJ Brimson will secure the number 14 jersey for Queensland. I expect Kalen Ponga will probably be the fullback. So AJ Brimson will secure the number 14 jersey, relegating the likes of Ben Hunt, Michael Morgan, and Jake Friend to spectators this year. So that's, uh, you know, he's good enough. He's definitely good enough. And I guess Queensland hasn't had these sort of options for a long time in, in these sort of positions. But uh, you'd probably count Ben Hunt, Michael Morgan, Jake Friend, all those guys unlucky to miss out. But I think Brimson will uh, will force them out. Kieran, what do you think is going to happen this year? What's your bold prediction? I've got the Titans finishing um, as high as sixth. Um, but I think they'll make the finals for the first time since 2016. And Tino will win forward of the year. Tino will win forward of the year. Okay, very cool. Um it's hard and look, or you see a lock, that. Sorry, the lock of the year. Yeah, I was going to clarify that with you. And with with uh, with that runaway try that he scored in that trial on the weekend, it's it's hard to see him not having a very positive impact for the Titans this year. What say you, Miles? What's your bold prediction? Well, I think despite being a, a noted uh, Zen master, Justin Holbrook's incredibly stiff patience will wear thin. Uh, with either Ashley Taylor or Jamal Fogarty, take your pick. And I think one of them will be relegated to the bench. And I think we will see AJ Brimson in the halves at some point this season just to make something happen. Which I wouldn't hate to see. He's he's a very, Neither. very good running 5'8". Neither would I. I'd, I in fact, I'd... <laughs> uh, obviously, I have the luxury of not being the Titans coach, but... I would almost even start him in the halves this season. I mean, what do you really gain with either Taylor or Fogarty? Well, well, time will tell. I think I think they won't start that way, but it may well be no. the best option. What's well, Kieran has said that he's got them between sixth and eighth. Uh, I also have that exact same uh, configuration. Miles, where do you see them landing this year? I also have that configuration, and uh, I wanted to add on, uh, to, to tail on with this. Uh, it, the team reminds me a lot of the, the turn of the decade Bulldogs, who had massive forward packs, if you remember, guys like Tony Williams and, and Sam Cassiano and guys mm. of that ilk, but they had no no playmaking ability. I think they made their grand finals with guys like you know, Trent Hodkinson and Josh Reynolds and Chris Keating, I think, even, playing in the halves. Yeah. That reminds me a lot of this Titans team. So, look, if they can achieve the same heights, that'd be fantastic. But they, they really are going to need some some strike in, in the halves. Or the signing of Cameron Smith for at least half a million dollars. That would be quite <laughs> the story, wouldn't it? But, of course, we can't assume that. We'll just have to play on, as it were. Uh, look, it looks like a good year for the Titans. So, uh, fingers crossed for them. I, I would love to see them do well. Let's go forward to the Sharks, who scraped into eighth position last year before being eliminated basically immediately. Um, Their roster changes are few and far between. They have added a bunch of development players, uh, including Lua Lua, Jack Martin, Luke Metcalf from the Seagulls, who who looks fairly promising uh, and may get some first grade this year, and Aiden Tolman uh, being a bit of a stalwart from the Bulldogs their losses include the retired Jason Bakuya, the retired Cameron King, and the Panthers-bound Scott Sorensen. So really, not a lot of movement for the Sharks there. They came eighth last year. They've still got John Morris at the helm. What positives can you see for the Sharks this coming season, Miles? Uh, just that. They, they haven't been <laughs> stupid enough to fire John Morris yet. So 
you know, who knows how long that it will last. But the the guy's doing a, a pretty admirable job given the circumstances. I mean, maybe he's not the guy you want long term, but I think you're laughing if you, you think Shane Flanagan is going to, you know, make a, a world of difference, you know, a finals or a top four say. Or <laughs> and you're certainly laughing if you think you're any chance of nothing Craig Bellamy. So. Look, I, I, I say just save the money and, and let Morris let Morris do his thing. Let Morris cook. <laughs> let Morris cook. Uh, <laughs> Kieran, what what do you see as a as a positive for the Sharks in twenty twenty one? All I've got is um, Sean Johnson's back on deck, uh, and they haven't lost any key players other than Jason Bakuya, who's yeah, not exactly a key player, but I would um, that was it. I would I would point out that Sean Johnson is actually going to be out for a little while. I think it's the first month, maybe. Um, So that will be a bit of a spanner in the works. I think they're going to have Matt Moylan moving to 5.8, and he had quite a strong showing uh, on the weekend. Look, I I think the positives for the season ahead is that they're they're top 13, or top 17 players, if you will. It's actually quite a strong side. Uh, There's there's experience there. There's impact in their middle rotation. They've got... uh, CSC for Talakai and uh, Britain Nakora fighting it out for the right edge, uh, which could be lethal, particularly when Sean Johnson returns. So there is a there's a fair bit of strike in their side. But let's talk about some barriers to success. I've just touched on the fact that their top 17 is, is a fairly strong side, uh, but I think their depth is a, is a problem. It looks like Sean Johnson's injured for at least a month of football, uh, which immediately removes their biggest weapon to open the season. Um, and and there are I said that they were experienced in the middle, but there are a lot of miles in the legs of guys like Andrew Fafita, Aaron Woods, and Aiden Tolman. Uh, and should any of them break down, the Sharks really don't have a lot of ability to cover for that. So I, I'm a little bit worried about their depth. Kieran, what barriers can you see to the Sharks repeating their finals appearance? Uh, I've got exactly the same, and uh, now that I know Sean Johnson isn't playing, I'm not sure where their creative flair and attack is going to come from. Uh, I thought the Sharks made the right decision in going with Blake Braley over older brother Jaden. However, he didn't have anywhere near the season I envisioned for him last season. Uh, I think he got too comfortable knowing the Sharks had him locked in as their nine. Um, and then, yeah, the fullback position still isn't sorted out. I'm just struggling to see where points come for them. Yeah, 100%. Uh Miles, what what do you think? Well, I was I was looking this roster up and down, and I, I was it was I was thinking to myself, if you were teaching a, a class on on roster building one hundred and one, this would be like the bad example that you look at because <laughs> there are, there is so many. Not that the well, if anything, the the players are good, but they're just like there are so many old or, or injured guys in this team, and and so many of them on sizable contracts too. Like you look at Josh Dugan. Matt Moylan, Aaron Woods, Aiden Tolman, even at, even at the stage Wade Graham, these aren't the guys that you want to be kind of scraping into the postseason with, which I, I think is probably their peak. So, look, it's it's I think they're, they're almost it's funny to say this they're almost where the Tigers were at last season. They obviously came up trumps where the Tigers didn't, but they I think things are going to get far worse for them before they get better. Which does not bode well for predicted finishes, but let's do bold predictions first. I've got that Andrew Fafita's knees will finally give out and he will retire by season's end. Miles, what is your bold prediction for the Sharks? Well, I, I like to, uh, perhaps against my better nature, or better judgment rather, 
uh, route for players. And I think in a contract year, Matt Moylan will get first crack at 5'8", as we mentioned, with Sean Johnson out. And I, I think he'll impress. I, th- I think he'll convince some of the the stupider teams in the league, perhaps the Sharks, who knows, uh, to commit their starting sixth position to him for next year and, and sign him on a, a fairly sizable contract to play in the halves next year. There is some talk that Sean Johnson won't be at the Sharks next year, so it may well be for him to stay at the Sharks. I doubt very much it'll be the Panthers, judging how those that went when he <laughs> left. Um, that would be a bold prediction if he ended up there. Kieran, what is what is your bold prediction for the Sharks? I've got Connor Tracy to shine at fullback and cement the position as his own in a struggling Shark side. All right. Very interesting. He may not get first crack there because Will Kennedy's around, but it'll be uh, he, he does look like a, a lively player and the kind of player that you need to have somewhere in your 17. Let's talk about predicted finishes. I, they, I don't think they'll make the top eight this year, so I've got them between 10th and 12th. I, I think they'll be competitive, but um, won't ultimately be there. Kieran, where do you have them finishing this year? Yeah, I've, if Tracy and Johnson fire um, when they're both playing, I think they could maybe scrape a top eight spot and that's contingent on other teams underperforming but i think ninth to 13th is more realistic all right and miles what say you yeah i'm the same as you guys i've i've gotten them specifically 12th but as i hinted out earlier i think it's going to get worse before it gets better at the sharks bad news coming out of the shire um and (laughs) not make our that will not make our prime minister happy in a you know, yeah, but you, would... you're pronouncing it incorrectly. It's the Shoya. The Shoya. <laughs> Where are we, Boston? Like, what is that? <laughs> Big love to everyone in the Shire. I just, I, just, I just feel like I just came out of a Ben Affleck movie or something. Well, um, let's, let's, let's move forward Wait, to I the... Have, I, I have to make sure um, there's another, another chance for rugby league fans to shit on Paul Gallen even more. He thinks thinks that the Sharks are a 50-50 chance of making the top four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, part of him is right. They're either going to make it or they're not going to make it, but they're <laughs> certainly not going to make it. <laughs> look, hey, look, I tell you what, as I said, they have got a good top 17 team, so I, if they all fire and don't get injured and play close to their best football... Yeah, sure. Maybe they are going to beat. No way. It's the Storm, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Rabbitohs. The like, no, they're not going to make the top four. Ridiculous chat. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go to the Newcastle Knights who finished seventh. This is our final team for this episode, part two of our preseason analysis. Uh, their ins include Tyson Frizzell, the big signing from the Dragons, Blake Green, who did join last year um, before injuring himself. Bailey Hodgson, Jack Johns returning to Newcastle Colours is a bit of a, a bit of a traditional flavour to that. Uh, Braden Musgrove, Garrett Smith from the Cowboys, Suaso Sue from the Bulldogs, and the young English import centre Dominic Young. Their losses include Herman Sasa, Tim Glasby who retired, as did Aiden Guerra, Mason Lino went to Wakefield. Sione Mata Utia uh, went to the St. Helens Rugby League Football Club. Andrew McCulloch uh, went back to the Broncos and has now gone to the Dragons. And Tatao Monga has joined the Rabbitohs. So, Kieran, 
What positive can you see for the Knights this season? Uh, I think they they really needed to sign some better backs, and I know it's only one player, but I, I liked what I saw from Dominic Young on the weekend. I think uh, now they've got Ponga, Bradman, Best, and I think Dominic Young um, will cement a centre position, uh, and that makes for three three solid solid players, even very good players in their back line. Um, and the fact that they're all fully fit, I think Mitchell Pierce, hopefully, touch wood, he's over his uh, injury concerns, hopefully the same for Ponga, and they've added more leadership quality and starch in the forwards, which is exactly what the doctor ordered. And Miles, what do you make of the Knights? Do they have a positive season heading their way? Look, I think no matter how well they perform this season, the, the Knights' best players have their, their best years ahead of them, so... Obviously, so much expectation placed on on young players to be able to perform at the top of their game. It's a season in, season out. But I think as we saw with the Panthers last year, it, it takes a long time to learn what's necessary to win a premiership. So, you know, whether they whether they they have a really good year or a really poor one, I, I think that they they'll sleep kindly knowing that most of their best players have probably get their their best seasons ahead of them. All right. I um, I actually like that they have a bit more experience in their side. I, I like the inclusion of Tyson Frizzell. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what Blake Green can bring to the team when he recovers from his injury later in the season. Because as you say, they do have some talented young players. Bradman Best looks a sensational center. Uh, Kalen Ponga is a, is a heck of a talent. But a bit more structure, a bit more experience around on the training paddock might be just what they need. What are some barriers to success, Miles? What's going to stop them from succeeding as they perhaps should? Well, for a team so far advanced in its progression, I think there's still questions over who their best choices are to accompany Caelan Ponger and Mitchell Pearce in the spine. I mean, I, I note that uh, it was Phoenix Crossland playing in the, the halves uh, alongside Mitchell Pearce on the weekend. I thought maybe you might see Tex Hoy there, but he was at fullback and... And then at Hooker, we we saw Jaden Braley and we saw Kurt Mann as well last year because of Braley's long-term injury. So, look, I don't think anyone at the Knights really knows where their best spots are apart from apart from Ponga and Pierce. So, uh, and I think if they want to earn that double chance that they didn't last season, they'll need to to figure that out really quickly. And Ponga's early season injury, which I think is only for a couple of the first couple of rounds, uh, that's only going to further muddy those waters um, as you say Texway played at fullback but he probably is their best 5 8th option uh, so let's see how that unfolds Kieran what do you see as a barrier to success for the Knights I think there or have been at least and I, I can probably see it continuing again for another couple of seasons like Miles said they're a young side I think that they're the new Warriors, Warriors of the NRL decent one week and shocking the next uh, this has plagued them, as I said, for the last couple of seasons, although they did have injuries to key players like Pearson Ponga, but they have a bit of a, a soft underbelly. Um, and with all due respect to the Knights, it's uh, it's true, I think. And as a Cowboys fan, I, I know what this looks like when I see it. So I really think they need to have more d- defensive and uh, mental resolve. That's one thing you always hear about is that it doesn't take talent to defend well. It takes attitude. And uh, and they have shown that time and time again that the attitude hasn't always been there. That's why I hope that that, that addition of guys like Frizzell and Blake Green will actually help them a lot. My barrier to success is Mitchell Pierce himself. Another dose of off-field trouble for Mr. Pierce has meant his focus has been divided uh, after an already poor showing on the field in 2020, which was, as you mentioned, 
uh, hampered by injury. He's got class. We know he has the ability to win premierships or to guide teams deep into finals. But the Knights have put a lot of eggs into his basket. I'm just not exactly sure that is the correct basket. So, hmm, not really, not really sure on Pierce. Uh, you know, I hope he proves me wrong, but I'm not entirely confident he will. Let's talk about bold predictions. Mine is that Kalen Ponga will surge up the Dally M rankings and will finish <laughs> in the top five players in the competition in terms of total votes. So I think he'll be, uh, he'll be collecting most of the votes from Knights games. And I think he'll be in the top five come season's end. Miles, what is your bold prediction? Well, no surprises there from Bo and, and perhaps no surprises from me either. Cause I think that a somewhat underwhelming backline, especially when you remove Ponga from the, the first few weeks of the season uh, will fail to deliver when defences focus their attention on Ponga and Pierce, which I think will result for a result in a backward step season, which will also have fans questioning both the head coaching ability of, of Adam O'Brien and the, the general manager, Danny Badiris. Ooh, spicy. I like it. Uh, Kieran, <laughs> what is, what is your bold prediction? Uh, that's, this is a very hot take, but mine is um, Ponga to produce a 7 or 7.5 out of 10 performance every week in his most consistent season yet, which sees him claim the number one spot for Queensland or attain the number one spot, I probably should say. Reclaim might be might be the word, I guess, because he, he missed out last year. They tried about five different blokes there in three games, but uh, he, was, he wasn't one of them. Um, all right, so two of us reckon that Pong is going to have a blinder or at least a very consistent season. One of us reckons that he'll be found out along with the uh, young back line. So time will tell. And that... That is kind of muddy. It's all about this one one player particularly, right? How how pivotal will a guy like Kalen Ponga be? And if he strikes, and if he has the season that perhaps me or Kieran thinks he's going to have, the Knights are a top six side. But if he is found out, as Miles says, or, or if he's picked on and focused on and no one else can pick up the slack, then they're a missing the finals type of team. So I've got them from sixth to ninth. Kieran... Where do you see the Knights landing in season 2021? Yeah, I've got the same prediction as you, 6th to ninth. Um, and obviously the Warriors and Knights are at, at completely different clubs, but I can kind of see the same sort of uh, trend happening for both for their season. They could have either a season that is progress or a season that kind of tails off and is a bit of a disaster with ninth being a, a, a disaster really for the Knights. Miles, Kieran and I are both both thinking the Knights, I mean, they, they could have a good season, could come as high as six. They have the talent, but they are a bit inconsistent and there's a lot of question marks and they, they may mi- narrowly miss the finals. Where do you have them landing? Yeah, look, guys, there are just one or, one or two many uh, question marks for me. Um, a question mark such as Adam O'Brien, um, even... Even Kalen Ponga and Mitchell Pierce, somewhat question marks. Ponga more for his consistency. Um, Pierce for for not only his, his his body, but also his leadership qualities and his, I guess, his consistency as well. And and then there's the rest of the team, which is you know hit, hit in some areas and missing others. So that's all got me winding up for the ninth in ninth. 
Very good. So that's a big old tiger for the Knights uh, coming <laughs> in ninth position. I'm going to milk that until Christopher Waring can't take it any more. <laughs> Just Guys, a good friend. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, that's what friendship is, right? That's what I've been taught since I was a kid. Guys, thank you very much for uh, your thoughts this evening uh, about teams 7 to 11 last year. In our third part of our preseason analysis, which is our next episode, we'll be covering the top six teams, of course, uh, from 2020, which is uh, the Eels, the Roosters, the Rabbitohs, the Raiders, the Panthers, and the Storm in no particular order, as well as previewing round one, because round one starts on the 11th of March, which I believe is a Thursday. It's (laughs) creeping up. We're going to get our three episodes in just in the nick of time. Uh, It's going to be a big one next week. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you both very much. Kieran, uh, keep an eye on your brother, though, because he's caused me (laughs) trouble today. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll go be up to him right now. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and Miles, have a lovely week, and and I look forward to talking to you guys soon on the next episode of Above the Horizontal. There's a full-time siren. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.